Well, hello there. Welcome to this special daily series of Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, Colony Coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow in the historic arts village of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And I'm honored to host this podcast featuring writers, authors, poets, and artists from our community and across the nation. During this monumental time, the Writers' Colony at Dairy Hollow believes it's important to give voice to the writing community, to hear their thoughts and guidance, words of hope about this pandemic that we are all experiencing in different and unique ways. So again, welcome to Right Now at the Writers' Colony podcast. Let's see who we can get on the line. This call is being recorded. Eric Sasson? Yes. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. I'm so Hi, glad Chad. to have How you are on you? the podcast. Good. How are you? Gus, you're in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, How hanging in. Hanging in there. You know, we're, I'm at the epicenter. So yeah. uh, right now. Yeah. In, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it's very strange times. Yeah. Uh, streets are pretty much deserted. Uh, yeah. uh, most people are home. Uh, well, well you know what? Well, I, I'm going to cut you off. We'll get to all that in just a minute. First off, tell us a little bit about who you are. So everybody at home um, knows. Okay. Well, uh, Eric Sasson is my name. Um, I'm primarily a fiction writer. Um, I have a couple of books out. I had a collection of short stories called Margins of Tolerance. Uh, that came out in 2012, and a novel uh, called Admissions that came out in uh, 2018. Mm. Um, but I've also done quite a bit of nonfiction work. Um, I had a regular column for the Wall Street Journal that was about LGBT culture called uh, Control Alt. I did that for uh, a little over three years, um, and I uh, contributed regularly to the New Republic, to Vice, to Good, to a few other places. Um, um, so that's basically uh, um, my bio. I'm working on a few things right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was uh, what was the Control Alt? Um, what did what did you write about in that um, series? Um, so essentially, it was a cultural column about LGBT. It was an LGBT-focused cultural column. Mm -hmm. So it was mostly. I mean, it, it did get quite political, and it, um, it was uh, it was kind of funny because I felt like the token uh, LGBT voice at the Wall Street Journal, which was fine <laughs> with me because I was like my audience was uh, not. Uh, I mean, I think they liked it too because I would get a lot of commentary. Uh, right. People who disagreed with me. Um, right. Um, so there was some po some political aspect to it. Um, my, most of my political writing was in the Republic, so that was felt definitely felt more political. But so a lot of it was just like interviewing um, celebrities, going to events, uh, reviewing things like movies and shows. Um, but also like anything that happened in the news that was like you know when someone came out that was a big deal, like a sports person or um, just or if a company or, uh, you know, like the Duck Dynasty controversy, uh, you know, I'm just, right. you know, uh, so like things like that, uh, that, so that was about three years I did that. Um, and then 
I mean, like I was, like, like I said, at the same time I was writing for other publications. So, um, yeah, I kind of burned out on that. Um, after, I mean, so I did it through 2018, but then I decided to go really whole hog into my, my own material, my own stuff. Cause I have like, I'm working on three different projects right now. So, um, and I'm, they needed my attention. And also I was, I was, the column ended in, in 2017. So I was then, um, doing a lot more political writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of just got burned out on that. Um, I just didn't want to write about, I just didn't want to write about Trump anymore. I just, yeah. I, just didn't want to be in that headspace. Yes. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And so you um, recently accepted to the Writers Colony at Dairy Hollow, and we're so excited for you to come. Um, yeah. And I. Fingers crossed. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, it's kind of like people are, you know, saying, well, should I, you know, come in June? And everything's just so up in the air. The amount of information that we get is not always, um, uh, yeah, telling <laughs> of what, no, what to no, expect. Not. So much uncertainty. So, um, but when you were, but you were going to come here and you were going to work on both your novel and a memoir. Is that correct? Yeah, so my novel, uh, which is entitled Autocorrect, that my, it's very far along. I mean, it's already, like, I submitted a, um, like, first review draft to my agent in November. She got back to me with notes in February, and I've already been revising it. Um, uh, so there is a chance that... Um, I mean, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna happen in the next few months in the publishing world, right. anyway. But right. uh, but there is a chance that I will have already uh, reached a draft um, that both me and my agent are comfortable with before I come. If you know, if I manage to make it to Theory Hall in August, so I would probably be working on a memoir. Um, I don't, yeah, which is about my the last year of my dad's life um, deals with. Um, what it's like to um, um, be present for someone who, you know, my dad had a stroke in July, 2018. He was already quite ill um, before then with Parkinson's and other illnesses um, had already been on feeding tubes. Um, but when he had the stroke, he could no longer um, talk. He couldn't walk. He couldn't eat. Um, mm -hmm. He was just basically uh, bed bound. And was he really home or was he, Somewhere else. No, he was in a. No, he was in a. He was in a facility. Um, yeah. And me and my brother already were going. So we were already taking turns going down to Florida, where my both my parents lived for probably three years. We were going down each month to see my parents. Um, they just, did they retire? So, there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because you're from um, Brooklyn. I mean, you were born and raised in Brooklyn, right? I'm born and raised and still here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So born and raised and still here. Um, so it's, you know, it started off as a, um, as just the journals, like just chronicling my, my feelings about it. But then I realized like this was getting to be more than just a journal. It was getting to seem like a book. I'm using, I was using that, that chronicle of the year as an entry point into um, my parents' lives my parents relationship my relationship mm -hmm. towards my parents and then all the 
end of life issues, like what happens when people are, you know, this is, this is going, you know, this is a, going to be a phenomenon. Our parents, uh, medical, you know, science is keeping people alive longer. Um, and, uh, you know, that of course raises quality of life issues and among a whole host of other issues that come up um, when people's lives are extended and what does it mean, uh, to be there? Um, and what is it, you know, what is it going to feel like? What is it, what is it, what what are the things that we're going to be thinking about, um, personally, but then as a society as well? Um, so that's, um, going to probably uh, be the the primary focus of my time um, wow, at Gary yeah. Hollow. Um, there's another book, which is, you know, part of this, through this process, my mom is a Holocaust survivor, and wow. uh, she was not very um, forthcoming. I mean, I knew some very general outlines about her experience, but my mother, uh, like many survivors of trauma, and my mother's was quite severe. Um, mm. did not talk about it, not share right. the specifics of her story. Um, right. She began to share it because the German government and these Jewish organizations offered her aid uh, in, in, in return for her story. So a few years mm. ago, she started doing that. And then I had cousins. My mother was French and uh, 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 my cousins in France began to tell me more stories. This was, this was probably like six or seven years ago. And I did start speaking with my mom, but now over the course of this past year with my dad's illness, I did interview my mother for about, I'd say about eight hours of interviews. Um, And that um, is probably going to be the project I do after the memoir, which is looking to like, it's going to be a novelization of my mother's experience. Um, Mm. uh, Probably not a biography. Um, I, right. I'm not, I'm also not like, that's not the kind of writing I do. So, right. um, I'm, I'm more comfortable with, uh, not, you know, fictionalizing an account. Um, it'll allow me some room to, uh, you know, uh, make up conversations and, and do all sorts of things that you can't really do. Yeah. Um, because I wouldn't possibly be able to, to, uh, come right. up with these conversations or even records of them. Um, but, uh, that would probably be my next project, uh, if all goes well. Wow. wow. So, uh, yeah, lots going on. Um, yeah, that's, that's powerful stuff. Um, first, before, before we talk about your memoir, what, what, what is your first, what was your first novel about? So my first novel is called Admissions and I, uh, I don't want to say was because I still do it. I'm still an SAT tutor. I just do it very infrequently. Um, so for about 20 years, um, I was and like, if that was my job, like that was what was making me money. And in right. New York, it was a big, in New York, it's very big business. Um, and I was, ex- you know, I've had, I had some very interesting experiences and I thought, Oh, it would be interesting to write a book about like, you know, you know, the rich New York families and what they would do to get their kids into the right college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my book is fiction. Um, it's nothing, I mean, almost nothing that I wrote about happened to me <laughs> because I was like, my, my stories are interesting, but they don't make for a good juicy novel. So I, <laughs> I created a much more fantastic scandalous book, which then of course became all, it was like prophecy because it happened, you know, Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, wow. As you know, the whole essay, the college admission scandal happened in 2019. Yeah. And then I got to say, like, so all of this is in my book. I'm like, this is not like I already <laughs> wrote about this well before it happened. Um, the, in- yeah. the crazy thing is, is that I'm not going to get into the specifics of the of the journey. My mind novel went through um, a crazy process. I mean, it was just insane. I, my agent did not my agent who I'm currently with did not want to uh, did not think she could sell it. Um, at the mm. time, this is all the way back in 2012, and um, and I found the publisher. The publisher and I got to did everything: the editing, the every, cover, everything. We got to two two months before publication, and then they folded. <laughs> and oh, then I wow. had to find another publisher um, again, not really with the help of my agent, who did who was really really gung ho on a, a book I was writing for her as being my my major my large house debut novel so she didn't want to uh-huh. really take it out to the big houses so it ended up at a small press um and um which was fine um but then when the scandal hit um i had just you know just I was at, because you know a friend of mine was just like oh you know what's going on with the tv and film rights for your book i'm like well my agent's not representing this book so i'm like you know have at it if you're if you're she lived in L.A. She was a writer and filmmaker. She's like, let me see what I can do. And Yeah. And, well, through a very, very long process, uh, the, the, again, the, the craziest, I, I, I now know what, what Hollywood, how Hollywood works. And may, may I say, it, it's pretty insane. Um, <laughs> I, I did, the book was not just option. It's now been renewed uh, for a TV series. Um, oh. So... Uh, yeah, which is great. Um, of course, everything is in complete limbo right now, but yeah, wow, yeah. I, I got a very quick lesson in just how complicated that process is. And yeah. I had to get, you know, it's not, I, I had to get a lawyer, I had to get, you know, deal with producers, deal with contract negotiations with all sorts of things. And it's nothing like the publishing world. It's absolutely nothing at all. Really? Like which, which seems like, which seems like so much more straightforward yeah. than, than Hollywood. Hollywood keeps you completely in the dark. They, they, everyone keeps you completely in the dark about everything and basically tells you things and you don't know if any of it is true. Um, so it was just, <laughs> it, it required, yeah, the only way to get things done is unfortunately you have to hire. I mean, I, my agent, because she didn't represent the book, I was very weary of like, you know, dealing with the the TV people at my agency because I was like, well, I don't really know if it's uh, if they ought to get uh, this project. They didn't represent the book. I didn't feel like right, it was right. right. Oh, let me just get a let me just get an entertainment lawyer, which is what I ended up doing. And then yeah. I got it again, schooled and like, wow, all the different things then get involved in this. And I was like, wow, this is, and it took, so just so you know, the, the beginning of negotiations were, were in April of last year and we did not sign the contract till January of this year. It was wow. like an unbelievable. And then because we started in April, uh, they, uh, they had to adhere to that as the beginning of the contract date. So it renewed today. Oh, so I wow. got my renewal today, which was great because that's like basically free money. Uh, yeah. I was like, yay, especially yeah. now. You're like, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. take it. 
Um, so, um, you know, I've hit the point where I'm like, that's it. And beyond this, everything is cake. If they make the show, that would obviously be fantastic. But I mean, we can't, we won't know that for, I mean, probably years at this point because, yeah. uh, everything's on hold, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting field. And, uh, so it did was you very interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So the, the character are, are you one of the characters in the book? Kind of. I mean, uh, not you personally, a, but a tutor. Yeah, there's a tutor on in the book. So, um, like obviously that would be the character that's closest to me. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. My life did not follow his trajectory. He's much more. His 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 story is far scan more scandalous than mine. He ends oh, up okay. uh, having <laughs> he ends up having an affair with one of his students and taking the SAT for him. And oh I, um, wow. And I was not, yeah, that's not, that. nothing even, I, nothing even close yeah, to that yeah. happened. But the thing is, is because <laughs> I assume that people, I assume that people would think that this was based on my life. I decided to have him write a, a book based on his experiences and then get an agent, well, workshop it, get an agent, go on book tour. And then the last chapter of my book is an interview with him where they ask him if any of this is true. And he lies and says it's all completely made up. And I was like, well, that's going to be funny. People might think it's about me. Um, but I just thought it was funny because, um, unfortunately, as fiction writers, people always ask that, right? They're like, well, how much is this based on you? And right. I'm, like, right. I'm like, I'm a fiction writer. It's, it's, it, I mean, mostly it's not based on me because, right. I mean, right. your, 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 your dedication or your, your goal is to, create the right, is to write a really good book. Right. You know, like, so, and you, in the you've end, inspired like, it, I have to write but... a book. Yeah, I was inspired by the fact that like I was an SAT tutor and I definitely like in encountered people with money. That was definitely yeah. true. Like, uh, did you go to private school? I went to a private Jewish school. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. like I'm I'm a modern like I grew up in a, like a, a sort of loosely modern Orthodox uh, family. So yeah, I did go to a private school. Um, uh, but yeah, that's not i i did not get tutoring um i mean back then i don't think it really was done it's that's more of a definitely more happened later phenomenon but uh i only did it because i was getting my mfa at nyu and i needed a part-time job so i was like oh, i'll just work for kaplan which yeah. went very well they really liked me and then they i mean they first for classes and for tutoring and for teacher training and then i realized i didn't need them anymore because i had a lot of requests from word of mouth um, right, uh, right. outside. And then I set off, I only worked for them for about three and a half years before I set out my own. And then I was on my own for 20 years. And I didn't do any advertising. It was all word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's so such, you obviously can have a lot of stories. Um, so, uh, and yeah, I, it's such an interesting world. I, you know, living in New York and just, uh, just knowing the private schools, I had a friend that actually worked at Chapin and, um, mm. and, uh, and then, um, the Christ church day school, I used to work at the Christ church and it's fascinating mm. how much money people spend on their toddlers to go to school mm. because they're preparing them to go to an Ivy league college, you know, exactly. already <laughs> it's, it's really something for me uh, coming from, you know, growing up in Arkansas and then co coming to New York, I was like, oh, wow, this is a thing. So, yeah, what a great yeah. book. 
It is a crazy, yeah, it's, it is quite, quite crazy. It's also, you know, my book deals with, with, um, uh, you know, um, race and affirmative action and all that. And I specifically needed to put that in the book because I was hearing things, um, up until only a year ago where I was, where someone came for a consultation with me and said things to me that were straight out of my book. That is like, it just, it's just a fallacy that people, believe and that's like oh like if, if that my son or daughter is going to be competing with um you know um like an african-american or other minority and that they're not going to get in because of that um you know minority student and i'm like you're just this is just like you know not i'm not going to say it's necessarily racist but basically it is. <laughs> yeah, um right it's just it, it, you're it's not true Okay. Yeah. It's just, well, it's and it's like yeah, that you feel is true because you think that that's how a college admissions uh, uh, work. Um, uh, it's not really how college admissions work. I mean, yes, obviously right. they want a diverse, uh, diverse student body, but this idea that like um, that like an SAT score, which you're paying uh, a ridiculous amount of money to have your 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 child tutored is somehow the only criteria should be the criteria that that we all be measured against when other people don't don't have the means to pay yeah, i mean i knew that exactly. i was i was part of a yeah. system that i will 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 certainly uh you know criticize so i just you know just this idea i was like no i need to make this part of the book because and in yeah. the novel uh this this rich woman basically bribes a black uh boy in her daughter's grade not to apply to princeton so that her daughter can get in and she just believes it. And they just, and, and that spirals out of control uh, as the novel progresses. Um, But I just think that like, uh, I, you know, you write it and you think like, Oh, maybe this is an exaggeration. And then you realize, uh, no, it's not, not only is it not an exaggeration, what happens in the real world is probably worse. So I was like, there's, yeah. So I just feel, I feel like, um, uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 a commentary on our crazy, uh, you know, cutthroat society. Yeah. Oh, uh, um. Well, and so tell me a little bit about your memoir. Now, did you go to Florida and stay for a time or did you were you basically just going yeah, back and forth? Back and forth. But I have a place that's me and my brother have a place that we can stay while we're down there. So okay. it, it was easy. Um, I was there once a month. Um, probably for a week, um, every yeah. month. Um, yeah. There was there were very few months when I was I was at a residency, for instance, and I wouldn't go that month. Um, um, but other than that, um, it was every month I was going down. Uh, my, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into the complications, but like my my parents were together, but they didn't necessarily get along very well. So mm-hmm. it's it was a complicated things as well. So right, uh, right. you. Uh, it's and it's all part of the book. I mean, and this is just like you know, I was I was I just started wanting to chronicle what it was like being there and what I'm experiencing, how I'm trying to communicate with my dad, how yeah. you know, and what the experience is like, what um, meeting his roommates, other the nurses, all the other people. Um, it becomes sort of like a, a narrative, but it's also then. You know, I, I, I use that, but then I use it as also as entry points into like, you know, moments from my past with my parents 
and like what I've learned about my relationship, their relationship. Um, mm. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I did, I, I, um, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting thing to, 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 to be, you know, I'm really happy. I got into five residencies this year, which is great. Right. But, you know, most of them are canceled now. So it's yeah. Like, uh-huh. um, but I was particularly happy because some of them, uh, this is new material for me. I only started it, uh, writing it a year ago. Um, and I was using it to get into some residencies and, uh, I know that they're super competitive, a lot of them. Right? And I was just really excited when I would get in with that material because I'm not a, I'm not a, a memoirist at all. I'm, you know, I'm a fiction writer. Right. So it feels like new, new, a new kind of writing for me. And, you know, to have that, have other people respond to it is just very validating. Um, yeah. So I was yeah. very. Um, and I feel like it's because people can relate to the story, you know, especially people in my, in their forties and fifties who have elderly parents, um, uh, they, they can see, they can sense what's coming. They can sense that this might be issues that they'll be facing. Yeah. And as a society, we're definitely going to be facing that people are not, people are living longer now. Yeah. It's a huge wake up call. Um, I think for everyone in the sense of people living longer and there being a lot of baby boomers out there. And so I just wonder if our, our nursing facility, like we're looking at our hospitals right now and how much, how they're struggling just to keep up with the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and then you think about nursing facilities and those, those could be exhausted mm-hmm. and overrun with people as the longer people live. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's something that I'm glad we're all kind of thinking about, um, kind of collectively so that we are prepared in, in some respects. Um, did yeah. you, did you find yourself having to advocate for your dad at the facility? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I'm not, I mean, I, it's, it's too many. My dad's stroke was not diagnosed for three and a half weeks. Wow. It was an absolute uh, nightmare. It was one of those things where they're like, well, he's lost his ability to speak, but we don't know why. And I was like, and I, to the point where at one point at the nursing uh, home that he was in, I went and said, you know, is it possible my dad had a stroke? And then because I said that, they immediately called 911 and were <laughs> taken back to the hospital. And I said, what are you doing? I didn't say he just had a stroke. I've been coming for the, first of all, I wasn't there um, because I was out of the country. Right. And, um, um, and when I finally, I got back a week, whatever, seven, eight days later, and I am go down to Florida and I'm, you know, the first day you can listen to, they're like, well, you know, he lost his ability to speak. He'll come back. Things happen. But then by the third day, I'm like, he's not moving his, uh, the whole left side of his body. I'm like, I mean, this doesn't take a genius to realize. And I had to stop them from sending my dad back to the hospital. I was like, no, that's not, which ended up being a mistake. I would have, I should have let him them go because he would have been diagnosed about a week sooner um, mm. with the stroke. But at the same time, I don't know. Nobody was there other than his, he had a home, he had his home health aide was going to the hospital instead. Um, and she is the one who was telling us. Um, but again, 
I don't know. There's so many, there's so much about having to advocate that, yeah, needed to be done. Um, yeah. Um, and it requires a, a real diligence and a constant follow up about, I mean, there, I, there's so many different things. There's it does. So it things. really does. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not, nothing bad said about nurses and the healthcare no, administrators no, no. or anything like that. But I found with my own dad, if I wasn't there, if me and my sister weren't there advocating for him when he was in a nursing facility, you know, because you would see other patients that didn't have family that would never come and visit them. But right. because Tara and I were there like nonstop, they were like, oh, here comes the girly kids. How's, is Joe okay? What's going on? You know? And, um, and it made a difference. And it made a difference in the kind of care he received. Um, oh, it was it was crazy. I mean, we my dad was needed to be uh, moved because he obviously when you can't move, you can't keep them in bed. They have to he has to be transferred to a different side of his body every two hours. Yeah, he had to uh, be moved to the carry chair. He had to be taken outside. Um, he had to have his mouth swabbed constantly oh. to clean. He had uh, they had to make sure that there wasn't a leak with the feet. I mean, the, the feeding tube. They had to make. They, they had, you know, they had to be very careful when moving him because he was, he was, his body was in yeah. pain. Yeah. Uh, we had to, you know, you have to like, so we have to, you know, you have to try to communicate him with pictures, with music, with uh, anything uh, to to stimulate him. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there's, you know, he did develop bed sores. You have to like remind them to clean it. Remind. I mean, it's. I'm not saying. I don't want to say that the nurses were not. They. The nurses are dealing with so many patients. Right. They're okay. Oh, it, yeah. There is it's, literally nothing. I have nothing bad to say about right. the nurses. They are all wonderful. They were wonderful. They were. They were kind. They were cheerful. But right. this is not. It. Nobody can get um, individual treatment. That's not the way healthcare systems are run. Right. Um, I was actually more. You know, at least at the nursing home, the people were, I mean, doctors at, at the hospitals are way worse because they don't treat patients. They treat conditions. Okay. I, this is, this is, should not be news to anybody. They do yeah. not look at patients as human beings. They mm -hmm. look at patients as people who have X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. I need to treat X, Y, or Z, not mm -hmm. persons. And the, and the person who cannot advocate for themselves are in much worse shape. I could not. I I cannot. I could not get uh, a doctor, any doctor, on the phone about my dad. Any uh, basically at any time, it mm. was impossible. I would only be speaking to nurses who would tell me, "We'll convey this to the doctor, and then the doctor will get back to you." The doctor would not get back to me. And mm. when I finally would talk to the doctor, the level of they were just very curt and very defensive on the phone with me. Um, when Meanwhile, this is your dad. <laughs> Right. Uh, this is your dad, and, and, you're, and um, you're hurting. I'm sure. You know, you're yeah, going through so much is, emotional stress. Yeah. The thing. The thing. Yeah. Which is part. Of, I mean, obviously, like I said at the beginning, that was the writing, right? The point of the writing was to deal with it. You do get used to it very quickly, um, and you you just you. It's kind. Of, I, I want to say this. It's kind of like what's going on now in a way, right? Because you're like, okay, this is kind of tragic. Like, what the hell? I can't even. I can barely go outside. Um, you know, yeah. I can't, I live alone. I, I have to like do lots of FaceTime and just so that I don't go out of my mind. And, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like you, you slowly adapt to a new reality, which is like, you're, you're going to do the best that you can. 
and you're going to talk, advocate as much as you can, but you're, you're not going to get everything you expect yeah. or everything that you deserve because that's, you know, that is part of, you know, uh, end of life, uh, yeah. especially a slow uh, deterioration at the end of life. Yeah, um, is that it's not, it's just, it ain't pretty. Um, yeah. There's nothing about it that is pretty. Um, and, you know, reminding yourself that, like, you have to take care of yourself also. Yeah. That you cannot um, go crazy. Um, and I did. I, that's, you know, part of the, my memoir is that way before that, I had a very bad year with my parents in 2016. Um um, but that's before my dad got ill and I had to, uh, through that process, recognize like I needed certain boundaries, um, mm. for my own mental health. Mm-hmm. And I then uh, changed the way that I dealt with things emotionally. Um, mm. and it definitely helped because I was able to recognize like, um, that it's not on me to save the world. I can't do everything. It's not on right. my brother to do it either. Right. And we 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 do the best we can, and then we accept that that's what that that's what we're doing. Yeah. Not um, get feeling guilty all the time about right. the things that we yeah. that are out of our control. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what strikes me is the you know this uh, you want. I, you know, you want people to die a good death and, um, and our healthcare is so focused on keeping everybody alive as much as possible. And sometimes it's like, Hmm, is that really, I mean, hello, um, because I don't know the answer to that, but you also wonder Mm -hmm. like what's going through their, um, what's going through your dad's mind, you know, what's happening inside. And that's the thing that just kind of gets me, you know? Yeah. That's a big part. A lot of my writing has to do with thinking about that. My dad, my dad's um, um, DNR was actually very strict. If you know, that's only because of the law that um, my father, my father uh, didn't even want, my father didn't want antibiotics. My father wanted, mm. didn't want li- my father didn't want liquids. My father, in the state that he was in, basically wanted for them to do nothing and to let him die. Yeah, and they cannot do that. No, that is yeah. not legal because my father was was not mentally. He was alert. You could, if you were to talk to him, his eyes were to follow you. Right. 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 In, in that case, the, the the hospital essentially will say that you are not, we are not allowed to follow the DNR. Uh, we are not allowed to, uh, uh, to deprive him of like a feeding tube. We are not allowed to, you know, do all those things and they are going to keep him alive. It doesn't matter what his wishes are. It's not legal. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, the only time you can do that is if he's, if he's not, if he's completely, it's not about speaking. Speaking is only one way of communicating. They're going to say like, we we don't know what he would say, uh, and it doesn't matter. They need he needed to be basically brain dead for them to then follow the. Uh, and I, you know, not that even I didn't have these these conversations with my family, but not with the, uh, you know, d- directly with the doctors. Other than that, they made it they made it uh, people made it clear to us, right? I didn't have like. And what I'm saying is that they made it clear to us once that we didn't need to 
to keep harping on this, that uh, they weren't yeah. going to do it. Right. right. So, right. um, and, and even with uh, power of attorney is, and all of it. Oh yeah. Every, we had power of attorney. doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't right. matter. You can't, you can't, you cannot break the law. Uh, right. and, or even if what, what we're saying is, is that they were not going to take the risk of, 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 uh, of a lawsuit. Right. 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 So, uh, they don't care. They're like, no, our job, you're exactly what you said. Their job is we keep people alive as long as we can. Right. It, quality of life is not, is not the issue at a hospital. Right. There's just not, uh, nursing homes are way more, they're more into, uh, you know, uh, you know, palliative care and, 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 and quality of life than, um, so, you know, it was our job to try to keep our dad out of the hospital as much as possible, which is not yeah. really possible. It's not yeah. possible. I mean, he was in the hospital at least, uh, you know, eight times, nine times in the, you know, nine or 10 months before he died. So, wow. um, yeah, it was a constant shuffling back and forth because he would get pneumonia, which is mm. super easy mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to get, or, you know, he would need some sort of treatment and, so, um, well, I'm, yeah. I have no doubt that this novel will, or this memoir will be a value to so many people who are, who experience this or will experience this. So I look forward to reading it one day. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we run out of time, tell me a little bit about what's going on as far as the pandemic there in New York. Um, and um, what you're doing to keep yourself sane <laughs> and what, what you might have to say to other writers at this time. So, it, um, well, I mean, yeah, things are, listen, they're kind of, you know, out of control in New York. I mean, I, it's not like you can see, uh, you know, people panicking on the streets. That's not, you're not going to see that, right? You know, if you go outside, people are calm. Um, but you do hear sirens all the time. Um, yeah, that's what I heard my friends you do, yeah. yeah, you do know that, you know, we know what the numbers are like in New York and that it's getting worse. Um, they are going, this is all expected. So, and because it's all, because it's expected, it's not as terrifying. Um, we were told the numbers were going to get worse. They're getting worse. They, they're, they're getting worse at a lower rate than they were already. So that's, that's the good news. Um, um, but you know, it's, you know, it's very, you know, going inside a supermarket is, uh, you know, feels dangerous now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to do deliveries. I have to wake up, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an early riser in this morning because I did manage to get an Amazon fresh delivery slot after refreshing the page well over a hundred times. Uh, uh, and my slot was yeah. five between five and 7am. And of course you take it because otherwise, yeah, you're not Me getting the food or you're going to have to, you're going to have to go to a supermarket, which I don't want to do. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you, you know, clean everything when you get it? I do not, uh, that I, no, I don't clean everything. I, because I don't, first of all, I've read, you know, the, the, uh, the reports that I read are that that's not a, a, that is a very, very, 
infinitesimally small likelihood of getting uh, the virus through products because uh, there's a whole explanation as, I mean, I wash my hands, obviously, after I put everything away. Right. Um, but uh, that's not the same as like, oh, I'm going to uh, individually clean every single thing that came. The reason why is that it's, you're talking about a process that's extremely unlikely. Um, the yeah. things that they're taking off the shelves um, um, are have been there for a while. Um, so you're talking about the driver who, or the person who put it, you know, and all that. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. But then there's the half-life of the virus and, and all that. The idea right. isn't that I need to clean everything. The idea is that I need to clean my hands. <laughs> that's right. all. So, right. for instance, when I uh, when I open those products, and I like make my meal, I then wash my hands again before I eat. Um, So uh, like, that's really the only time that my hands get near my face. I I, I found out that I'm not a frequent hand uh, face toucher. (laughs) So um, I do wear glasses, um, so maybe that's why. But I'm incredibly conscious because I've been on FaceTime with people. I'm like, oh my God, do you know how often you touch your face? And they're like, yeah, I know. I can't stop it. And I'm like, wow, I am lucky in that I do not do that. I'm so, so now I'm super aware of every time I'm about to touch my face and I touch my face with my own T-shirt, um, which I feel is very safe because my T-shirt is not, I don't wear, it's not warm enough to be out in T-shirt here. So my T-shirt is always covered. I never, it's not exposed to the virus. Right, um, right. Um, and I'm like, this T-shirt's fine. My face is being touched with something else besides my hand. Yeah. And I'm like, I have, so as far as the writing is concerned, though, so I did do some COVID-based writing very early on, um, like a few weeks ago, right at the beginning, and stopped it immediately. Because yeah. I realized that my writing, uh, my story in this very, very, this long national tragedy is not that interesting, actually. Um, I'm super lucky. I'm healthy. I live alone. I'm, I have the least, uh, at least by living alone, I am protected uh, from, you know, interacting with with roommates, which is definitely um, a big problem in New York. Most people have roommates and because they have roommates, you can't control the the movements of your roommates. And, you know, so you're, you don't know what's going on or even your family members for that matter. Um, so I was, I started doing it and then I said, this is not like, if I wanted to do it because of for journaling for my own sake. And I realized like, no, I have, you know, I'm in the middle of working on my own work and I went back to that and that's all I've been doing. And I'm happy to do that because honestly it allows me to escape. Um, right. It allows me, I'd rather be thinking about my own work. Um, I am only, I've only been working on the novel because that's, uh, you know, something that, you know, as soon as I got back my notes from my agent, I was like, well, this is what we need to work on. So I've been yeah. doing that for the last few weeks. Um, and once that's done, I'll start going back to the um, uh, to the memoir. Um, my advice is, I would say that's probably a good advice. I, you know, is if you're a writer right now, I mean, you might have more free time than you did. You may not. I don't know. It depends on situation a lot of writers are teachers and now have to do uh, online zoom classes and yeah yeah that's true and a completely different form of preparation so i do know quite a few um writers who are not um uh do not have more time um i have basically the same amount of time so i'm i'm doing what i always do i think that that is probably 
uh, good advice. Um, um, there was an article on the New York, on the New York Times uh, like about ten days ago saying like we don't need your coronavirus novel right now, and I read it and I <laughs> right. think that this is so true. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason why is that there's something about like not having distance from something that does not allow for the best kind of writing. Yeah, um, exactly. I, mean, I also I also feel like there's going to be so many of them. Like it's going to be like. Okay. And I'm just wondering about that. I'm like, is that, I guess it's going to be, you know, we're definitely going to need chronicles of this. I agree, but I don't know if we need everybody doing that. Um, right. I also, I just think, I think that people will also need escape. I'm sure yeah. we are all watching Tiger King. Uh, <laughs> I watched it. At least. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, oh, this isn't is that crazy. This is very different. Okay. <laughs> Not, this is not a New York story. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, and I was, you know, it's, I feel like, you know, I need escape too. I don't know if I want to come. I mean, the news is bad enough. I don't know if I need that. Plus I need to read coronavirus narratives. Right. Um, I mean, maybe 10 so. years from now, I might be interested, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't even think I would want to read about it. It's kind of like, I mean, in that respect, I feel like it is kind of like nine 11 in the sense that, there was long pause after 9-11 and no one wrote about it. There were no movies about it. There was nothing. And it was a while. And, and even the first like movie or first thing that came out, people were like, is this too soon? And so, yeah, I, I, maybe sometime in the future. But yeah, right now I'd rather focus on other things. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... I do really hope I get to uh, go out there. I know that you've been talking to a few of my friends also. Um, so um, we're all excited to hopefully make it out there because it's yeah. been quite lovely. And Jody had such a good time there. She yeah. loved it. So, she um, was, I love her. She's so great. We had a good time. Yeah. She's a very, yeah, she's very sweet. She's a dear friend of mine. Um, I met, I actually met her at, uh, at, uh, at Randall, which is a, a residency oh, yeah. in the, outside okay. of Chicago. So, um, yeah. Well, so, cool. um, yeah. Well, I'm well, glad thank you're doing you. This. It's a yeah, very exciting, thank you so much uh, for yeah. Thanks for well, and that's kind of the thing too. The Rogers Colony is sitting empty, and so, um, so not only does this, I I hope, help writers to talk to each other, and I think it's just good to hear each other's voices. But it also gives me a project so that I'm not like, you know, bashing my head against the wall. Um, so it's it's all good. It's good all the way around. And I'm meeting such amazing people like you. And so it's it's such a pleasure. So thank you. Thank um, you so much. Well, I, you're welcome. And thank you. And so can you just tell me how do I uh, how do we access these? Um, I guess you'll send an email about that. Just in case Yeah, well, them. you can access them now. Um, you can go to our oh, website. Okay. You can go to, oh, just go to the Zeriali website. And they're there. Okay. Well, yeah. Or you can um, if you listen to podcasts on Apple or on Stitcher I do, yeah. or Spotify, you can just look it up right now at the Writers' Colony. And that's right as in writing, not right as yeah. in write on. So right sure. now at the writer's oh, that's great. Yeah, they're already access. The yeah, there's already. A yeah, it'd be good. Uh, I love podcasts. Also, I highly recommend Conan O'Brien's podcast. Oh, um, okay. I think he's super funny, and he interviews all these people, and that's definitely something I've been listening to. And boy, is it a great 
escape from these times because he's very funny and he has the best comedian guests on and they're very smart about comedy. Yeah. Um, and I think that we need comedy right now. So yeah, um, definitely. That's just definitely. Uh, other than the writer's colony uh, uh, right now. Podcast. That's another thing to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, well, thanks Eric. Again. Yeah. All have right. a good you day. Take care, Chad. Care Stay right. safe. All right. You too. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today for Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, your host and colony coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Derry Hollow. To find out more about the Writer's Colony, visit writerscolony.org. That's writerscolony.org. Until tomorrow, stay safe, be well, and write on.